It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. We are going to talk basketball tomorrow on the Illini Choir Podcast. Derek Piper and I are going to get together, talk some Illini hoops, talk some Illini recruiting. But today, we're going to talk some more Illinois football. Joey Wagner and I, we get a little big picture again. Uh, we also talk about what's happening this week with Illinois football, the trip to Maryland. Uh, we give our picks to click as well. But we get some insight on the Maryland program, both football and basketball, from Jeff Ehrman. He covers Maryland for InsideMDSports.com. And Maryland seems like they're in their best spot yet since entering the Big Ten. I really like Kevin Willard. What he's doing there is recruiting uh, for basketball, uh, his style of play. He's a really funny dude. He's kind of brash, but I like it. It's a confidence to him. It's kind of East Coast. I like it. Uh, and then Michael Oxley, obviously, is recruiting really well at Maryland, and he has had a lot of success relatively for Maryland. And if you look at the schedule, Maryland's got a path to 10 wins this year. Because they still got Penn State, they still got Michigan, but they got a pretty nice schedule the rest of the way, including this weekend against a very, very struggling Illinois team. Uh, so we'll dive into that with Jeff Ehrman. We'll talk more Illinois football side of things with Joey Wagner. That's coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. But first, you've heard us talk about home field apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there. But we wanted to partner with Home Field because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the basketball ringer tee, the rose tee, and the 1980s long sleeve with the script Illini. It's gorgeous. Be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. They're not only great designs, they are really comfortable shirts. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. That'll get you 15% off your first order. Again, go to homefieldapparel.com, use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order. We know you're all wearing Illinois gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out Homefield Apparel. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else in the market like what Homefield is doing. So you can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order. Let's get some insight on the Maryland Terrapins. Off to a 5-1 and one start, gave Ohio State a little bit of a scare. Jeff Ehrman covers Maryland Terrapins for 24-7 sports inside mdsports.com. Jeff, 5-1 and one start for, for Mike Loxley. Take me through. What's, the, what's kind of the vibe about this program right now? Um, I think this is kind of a culmination season of a rebuild. You know how it goes when a program is down for a while and you're steadily making improvements uh, in recruiting in terms of the culture, and then you kind of hit that benchmark year where you have maybe your best team in a while. Obviously, it helps to have uh, Talia Tungwailoa, their best quarterback in decades. You know, that's probably the biggest uh, facet of the whole turnaround, but you know, it's it, there, there's excitement there. They're five and one for the first time since 2013, putting up really big numbers on offense. Defense has been good. At the same time, as everybody knows, they really haven't played a, a tough schedule. And the one tough team they played, Ohio State, beat them by 20. So that's kind of the caveat to it. But you know, all in all, it's it's the best start they've had in a long time. Obviously, Tilia, good bloodlines. We know what his brother's doing uh, in the NFL. But what makes him such an effective? Big Ten quarterback, because I, I don't know if he's going to win the award, but he's, he's at least in the running and a legitimate contender for Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. 
Yeah, I mean, he's experienced, first of all. He knows the system inside and out, so that's huge, obviously. Uh, he's, for the most part, a good decision maker. At times, you know, he, he falls into these mental funks where he'll make a decision and you can see things, you know, confidence going kind of downhill. That happened against Ohio State, obviously. Uh, but he's accurate. He spreads the ball around. You know, they don't have any top ten. Or actually, they have uh, Jay Sean Jones, I think, is seventh in the Big Ten in receiving. But otherwise, they have three more guys all in the top 20. So he really spreads the ball around. He can run a little bit when he needs to. Uh, he's not his brother, but, you know, he's still he's still from Maryland, which has really struggled to find good quarterbacks for, you know, 15 years now. He's been a godsend. Yeah, and uh, quietly, Maryland is like wide receiver you a little bit out. I mean, Ohio State probably has that in the Big Ten, but Stephon Diggs, people remember Torrey Smith. Darius Hayward Bay was a top ten draft pick, right? DJ Moore for my Bears doing really, really well. I don't know if there's a, a Dante Demas was really good a couple years ago, right? Um, Rakim Jarrett was really good. I, I don't know if there's that level of talent there, but it feels like it's a really deep group of receivers. Am I wrong? Well, first off, I might have to cut off the interview now since you're, you're a Bears fan and I'm a Commanders fan, and that was one of the more embarrassing losses in history. But Sorry I about that. I'll, I'll continue. Um, no, they, I mean, they, no, they don't have that big kind of guy, but they do have a lot of – talented guys you know Jay Sean Jones I mentioned uh six-year seniors playing really well I mean the guy's torn his ACL twice and is, looks better than he ha- ever has Caden Prather West Virginia transfer was one of the best wide receiver transfers in the country he's been kind of their deep ball end zone threat kind of guy you know they have a lot of um Ty, Ty Felton the guy who had three touchdowns uh, a couple weeks ago against Indiana and then Corey Deitches is a tight end he's one of the better receiving tight ends in the Big Ten. So, you know, there's no elite All-American guy, but there is a lot of talent and speed. What, and it's not often they've had been tested this year offensively, but what have been some issues? So if Illinois' defense, which at times has looked okay, Jeff, if they're going to have any success in, in limiting Maryland under 30 points, like how are they going to get there? Yeah, it's definitely a running game. You know, the numbers are respectable on paper, but it really – hasn't been as good as expected. The passing game has really carried things. Roman Hemby, who broke out for almost a thousand yards last year as a redshirt freshman, looked like he was a budding star, has been very quiet this season. Uh, Loxley said he's been nicked up. No injury has been uh, specified. So, you know, the running game has been decent, but that I would say, you know, is where I, Illinois might have some hope. Uh, Maryland didn't do anything running really against Ohio State. You know, so they've had to rely on the pass. So you, what, what you're basically hoping is you shut down the run, you make him pass, and Talia makes a few mistakes. All right, defensively, the numbers look really good. Again, the schedule may be taken uh, into account, but you know they frustrated Kyle McCord in that first half that I saw against Ohio State. So what can you tell me about the defense, the strengths, and, and weaknesses on that side of the ball? Yeah, they've been really opportunistic. You know, They haven't been dominant in terms of just sh- shutting teams down, but they're forcing it ton of turnovers I think they're fourth nationally in turnover margin offense has only committed three I think so far uh defense is you know way top five nationally in interceptions so that's been the biggest thing you know they've, they've forced a ton of turnovers went into Ohio State I said the biggest thing was they have to win the turnover battle as cliche as it is you're not going to pull off that upset and for the first time this season they didn't um they didn't force any so that would be the biggest thing to know. They've also had a better-than-expected pass rush. Donnell Brown, a transfer from St. Francis, was the FCS All-American 
has been really good. He's got uh, a couple interceptions, a sack, a fumble recovery, so he's been a dynamic addition. You know, I think if you're Illinois, you're also looking at the secondary, and, you know, Tarheeb Still, Maryland's best cornerback, was out last week, and they don't have a lot of depth there at corner. You know, that's a position where they, they struggle at times. So if Illinois can get his passing game going, which I know has been a struggle, then you're hoping maybe if you're Illinois that still is out again and you can get something going there. Boy, Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Rutgers all still on this schedule. Uh, I mean, 10 wins if they win a bowl game is not outside the realm of uh, of possibility, but is this season all about beating one of those top three teams in the East? Is that that what this is all for with Maryland? I wouldn't say all, but that's a huge aspect. That's what everybody's saying. You know, the fans – they're starting to come out a little bit more. You know, attendance has, has gradually gotten better, but it's still not anywhere near what you think it would be for a, for a five and one team. Uh, so that's most that's the refrain from the fans is, oh yeah, whatever. But as soon as we play Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan, we get killed. I'm not getting fooled again. So that is a huge theme. You know, I think they're three and twenty five maybe against those three combined since joining the Big Ten. Uh, so. You know, if they win nine or ten games, no one's going to say, oh, that was that was not a good season. We didn't beat one of those three. But it'll be, I would say, a little less fulfilling for the fans if you're not able to finally get one of those. So, obviously, Illinois really, really struggling, Jeff. What's the key for Maryland just to take care of business here? Uh, I would say the biggest thing is, you know, avoiding a hangover from Ohio State. That was the big buildup. You lose that game. You can easily overlook Illinois coming off of that because of how they've struggled. So, you know, they'll have to find a way to generate that energy mentally. Maybe it helps. It's a homecoming game. I don't know how good the weather is going to be, how many fans will be there. So that's, you know, that's one aspect. But, you know, I think that mentally and then just avoiding mistakes, you know, Talia has these little funks that he goes through like he did with a couple interceptions against Ohio State that turned the game around. Uh, I'm sure they'd love to be able to establish the run and I think defensively, you know, based on what they did against Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State had, I, I believe, fewer rushing yards in that game than they've had in any game since 2013. So you just want to keep that going. I know, I know Illinois is bringing out a new running back, big boy, 250 pounds, sounds like. So they'll key in on him, and I think they'll probably bring a lot of pressure, try to force some mistakes from Altmaier. All right, Jeff, I want to ask you uh, two basketball schools here. Uh, Maryland, Kevin Willard. Really good first season. What do you expect out of that program this year with, with really I, – I have them third in the league. Uh, high expectations for this group. I'm with you. I think they're really underrated. You know, a lot of these polls that are on the top 25, which seems uh, like a pretty big oversight to me when you consider, you know, the Big Ten uh, preseason poll came out last week. They had two of the top – two of the ten guys named all-conference. So if you have 20% of the all-conference players – you know, you're, you're probably a little higher, but, you know, regardless, I think that they have potential to be really good. Uh, Jameer Young, obviously, was second team all Big Ten last year, tailed off a little bit at the end, still had a great season. And then Julian Reese uh, improved in season faster and more dramatically than probably any player I've ever seen. By the end of the season, he was a legit star. And then you have Dante Scott back, a ton of experience, a guy, you know, while up and down has proven that he can do it. He can score, rebound, and do a little bit of everything buzz is that he's looking really good during the offseason and then you had two really highly touted freshmen Deshaun Harris Smith who some people have picked as the preseason freshman of the year in the Big Ten and then Jamie Kaiser another you know I think he was the number 60 recruit in the country really good shooter guy who's probably going to start also so to me 
I think they're better than people think, but you know, there are questions about a outside shooting, who's going to do it, who's going to make shots outside. And then these bench guys are relying on, can they take a step forward and uh, can Julian Reese avoid the foul trouble that just had him on the bench for what seemed like half the games. From the outside, Jeff, it looks like they got two really good fits for their head coaches, football, basketball. Do you feel like they're positioned the best they've been since they've been in the big 10? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's uh it's an old stale story, but Mark Turgeon just, you know, he didn't live up to the expectations. The fans soured on him. You know, I'm not sure I've ever seen a fan base as united against a coach as they were by the end of his time. So uh, Willard's been a much different guy, more energy, a little more uh, brash, kind of aggressive playing style uh, as opposed to the more conservative style Turgeon had. And then, you know, you guys know Loxley well, obviously, um, you know, he's the past few, I mean, you look at the coaches before him, DJ Durkin d- didn't last long before, obviously the tragedy and controversy, they got him fired uh, before that Edsel, you know, was very similar to Turgeon in a lot of ways. Uh, so yeah, so Loxley is, the, is clearly the best uh, since Ralph Regan about 20 years ago. Jeff Herman, Inside MD Sports. Thanks for the insight on Maryland as always, man. Uh, enjoy the game Saturday. And I'll be out there in D.C., so hopefully I see you. Very nice. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to announce our new partnership with Underdog Fantasy. We decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including their Pick'em game. In Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. You can 20 times your money by going five for five. They also have a best ball mania. If you think you know football, you got to check this one out. This year's best ball mania has 15 million in total prizes up for grabs, with the winner taking home 3 million. So sign up today with promo code OLINI and get your first deposit doubled up to $500. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code OLINI to get your first deposit doubled up to $500. That's a new deal. It was previously $100, now it's $500. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All right, time to talk the Illinois side of Illinois, Maryland, and probably a little less game-focused Joey Wagner, because this is a big picture kind of week, maybe the rest of the season for Illinois football after we, what we saw at Nebraska and what we've seen through six games this season. Yeah, it's like I'm not going to spoil your preview and picks or what you picked or, or, or whatever, but usually Jeremy's got this long, in-depth, and we're kind of to the point of the season where I think we know what teams are until proven otherwise. And there's a lot of big picture conversations that should happen around this team, just given the way they performed in these first six games. And there's kind of is what it is at this point, right? I will say, and I'm curious your response to this. I don't want to, just to to get a little bit game focused before we get into our six pack. Um, I don't want to say like, this is Penn State 21, because I don't think the outcome is going to be Penn State 21. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a hot take. But I do think there's some value for these guys who are living in this bubble of, of fair arrows that are being thrown to just getting the heck away. Yeah. Like going east, secluding with one another, getting away. Is that going to lead to a win? I don't think so. 
But I do think there's value. I'm getting a little bit of Penn State 21 vibes. Like, you go out east after you're kind of left dead in the water after six. I think they had a, they were coming off of a bye week going into that game. Brett Bielmo was coming under scrutiny for all the offensive line comments. And I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to be that. But I do think there are some parallels there to just maybe trying a fresh start for the back half of this season and seeing what happens. Well, and, and that's to your point. I think there's still things to play for this season, even if it isn't what you were expecting to play for, a Big Ten West championship. And let's be honest, unless they win against Maryland or Wisconsin, it's hard to see a bowl game, right? So, But they, they still have those opportunities. But my point is, that team was 2-5 and five going to Penn State, and they ended the year with upset wins over Penn State, Minnesota, who was ranked at the time, and they crushed Northwestern. And you just felt better about the program and where it was going. There's still opportunities to end this with a competitive season, Joey. Like, be competitive. Win a couple games, and we'll get into our confidence at the win games, but there is still something left to play for for those guys in this program, for these coaches, these players. And there's six games left, so it's not out of the question that they go on a little run here in the Big Ten West and Indiana on the schedule, but they can't do it with the way they're playing. So let's start our six-pack of questions. Brett Bielma said Friday changes would need to happen after starting 2-4, and 0-3 and in the Big Ten. Obviously, staff changes did not happen, but what do you think these changes will be? And I guess let's just start addressing that elephant in the room, Joey. There weren't staff changes. And and you zoom back, and, and you realize how difficult that could be midseason, right? Because who are you promoting if you change offensive coordinators after six weeks? There's no Jim Leonard analyst for the offensive side of the ball right now. A change there is a voice change, not a schematic change. Like that's yes. what midseason changes are. It's a different voice, maybe one or two new ideas, but you're not wholesale schematically changing who you are, what you do. You're not changing personnel. It's all about the voice in the room. Yeah, and to do it in six days is tougher. If you even if you did that, even if you did a voice change, like a bye week would make more sense, right? Like that's what Indiana did. They had 11, 12, 13 days to kind of prepare themselves uh, for for Rod Carey taking over, who's been a head coach and coordinated an offense before. Um, that that makes more sense. And Illinois doesn't have a bye week for, for two weeks. So um, what, what kind of changes can we expect or can fans expect? I think you look at I – mean, we're talking offensively, right? Yes. Like that, that's – just to be clear, that's the, the purpose. I, I don't – personnel changes. There's six games in. Like you – your personnel is your personnel. Could you – Get more young wide receivers in the mix of Malik Elzier, Canary Wilcher, um, Ashton Hollins. Sure. Like, I think those are on the table. But I think you saw a little bit of that peeking its head against a bad Nebraska team. You Like, these dropbacks, these long-developing routes, like those, you, you just can't pass protect. You, 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 that's just not who you are right now. It's not your strength. Are these changes more quick hitters? Just getting – and you've got to have your quarterback operating that as well. Getting the ball out quickly to just try to establish some – I dove in the numbers on the line on inquire.com, but some momentum after that opening drive and before halftime. So, like, are quick hitters the answer? I think there's a lot of value still in developing the run. Like, this team is not built to drop back and throw the ball 40 sometimes. It's just not – Brett Bielema's teams aren't built that way. This offensive line isn't built that way. The wide receivers aren't built that way. So I think changes, if you look at it, it's probably, if not schematic, just tendency changes. Run the ball more. Be, be more effective on the ground. Get I think those linemen need some of that confidence to move people, to get some running going. Now, 
to Barry Lunny's to Barry Lunny's defense, he's tried that. He I, I, that's right. And they're we down. Can, like, they can the, talk the score dictates a lot of that. You know, Isaiah Adams can talk about it. Um, some of the offensive line were physical football team. I haven't seen that. I have not seen that. Uh, I I can't. Maybe it's just less pulling, so there's less movement up front and like straight back and just go and, and push people. But I haven't seen that. I don't think that's a strength of this team right now. So while I understand the desire to run, they haven't been able to do it. Like and they're down their top two backs entering the season. Yeah, potentially, so, potentially with Reggie Love. It didn't sound optimistic there. So I I don't know if it's anything different that we haven't talked about. Um, 12, 13 personnel. We saw some more tight ends. To be honest with you, some of it didn't work. Griffin Moore's fumble, Henry Boyer's missed block, Griffin Moore's drop. We saw a quarterback sneak, and then we saw why they don't do that. Luke Altmyer is listed at 200 pounds. I don't think he's 200 pounds. Um, your interior is not all that physical and, and imposing, right, and, and getting a push. We saw Fagan a little bit more. We're going to see more of him this week. We'll get into that. You saw Ashton Hollins. I'd like to see him play a little bit more. Uh, I think Malik Elsie has been really up and down when he's been on the field, so I don't think he's a solution. Um, but I'd like to see a little bit more of him. But it comes down to simply they have to execute better, and that's on the coaching staff to call the plays for. But it's also on the players. Like that Isaiah Williams, you know, shovel pass should have been a touchdown. Those got to get executed. Jay Layman broke it down in his film review, Joey. Like Reggie Love, Caden Fagan had some opportunities to get first downs on those short yardage. Their vision wasn't there. Like those things have to be executed. But also Barry Lunny has to know what he has. And I'd like to see a little bit more of the RPO game. Luke Altmaier's got to make better decisions. And that's where it's getting into. It's like all of these things have to get better. And we're going into game seven. Um, but my biggest thing is you got to finish those first drives. And you got to stop getting into lulls after those first drives. Like the first halves are just killing this team. Yeah, it's a complete – there's never momentum, right? Yeah. Like this team, we I don't think we've seen this team play with sustained momentum from for even three or four drives. Never feels like they've gotten cooked or cooking, and it feels like they're never going downhill, right? That's right. And I think points – and we've heard it, right? We've heard it from the coaches. Like points on that opening drive – there's a reason Brett Bielma, and you can make an argument he should have gone for it at Purdue, he wanted the three on that opening drive. It, very, very fair reason to think to just go for it and try to get it. But there's value to points. But it's those – I mean, the, the numbers are out there now. I, I'll put it out there. The, I think it's 8.4 plays and 54 yards average on opening drives this season. And it's, I think, 4.8. Those numbers are way too similar for me to think those are specifically right. But it's, it's no more than five plays on the second the, – the rest of the drives of the first half, not including kneel downs. And like 24 and some change yards. That is a drastic difference. Now, it's execution on some of that. It's drops. It's, it's offensive line issues. It's sacks. It's decisions here or there. It's play calls. But like that has to – like that's – you just don't sustain anything going into halftime save for maybe like a – a two-minute drill at the end of half where you get something, there's just that middle portion of the half is just empty. It's well, very, very empty. Well, and I think the, the point to the offensive coordinator goes, listen, I think everybody that is rational understands there's personnel limitations here. But it's his job to figure out how to put them in best positions to succeed. And every week, listen, I love talking to Barry. He's brutally honest. He takes... He takes blame. Um, you know, I, I think he does a good job when he has to talk to us, but every week it is a broken record and he understands it because he keeps talking about the same issues and feels like they're not doing anything very much different, at least to the naked eye. You can see little things, but it feels like this team doesn't believe in the offense right now. So 
It's a big two weeks, I think, for, for Barry Oney to figure this out, and it's not easy against Maryland and against Wisconsin, two teams that I just don't know if Illinois can score enough points to compete with because like, those are two really good offenses at this point of the season. So um, he's they got to figure it out, and Brett Bielma said they, they went over personnel, they went over scheme, they went over play calls, they went over all that stuff. We'll see if it leads to anything. You know, it's interesting. Um, it felt like after the Penn State game, and this is a take that hasn't aged very well, I think you and I – we're on the of the opinion like, hey, this offense might be close to something. I thought Florida like the, Atlantic the, too. Yes. You know, Penn State. You go back to that. I thought the play calls were actually pretty good. Luke Altmaier had a the terrible day, right? FAU. They just need to finish some of those drives, some of the turnovers. But I thought the play calling was really creative. There were some trick plays. The downfield shots worked. Granted, it was FAU, uh, and even Purdue. Some of that first half I thought was was positive. Just finished drives. Nebraska was ugly, just ugly. Yeah, it, from the get-go. Right? I mean, I was, after that first – I feel bad, like, weird saying after that first drive because the first drive was so telling in the way that it ended. Yeah. And it kind of set the tone for everything. But they were effective in getting the ball down there on that first drive. They overcame a, a penalty before the first play even got snapped, right? It was set back five yards. And at that point, like, that's where you are with the offense. That happens, and you're like, oh, boy. Oh, okay. Oh boy! But they they figured it out, and that's why but this offense it, needs a good first drive ending with points again at Maryland. Like if they get to, ending with a touchdown, Jeremy. Like let's say they they've got to get it in the end zone. They they've got to feel like they can get over that hurdle and yeah. get in the end zone on those opening drives. They haven't done it since week one. Like they they've got to get in the end zone. They, they have to start fast that way. If they got into fourth and one at the ten, you think Brett Bielema is kicking the field goal or, or going for it? I think he's kicking the field goal. <laughs> I think you need Gosh, something positive. That's back. a good question. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think. I but it, what, what? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Does it matter? I don't know. Could like no. I can make up a thousand scenarios in which he goes for it, and a thousand in which he says, "The heck with it. Put, put some points on." Uh, my solution for the offense: just give the ball to Isaiah Williams more because uh, he's the one consistent, and he's a, a really good player. Mighty bold take of you. That, that's it. That's you're it. right. You're you're right. Isaiah Williams doesn't have a touchdown this year. That's a problem. That's unfathomable. Like, you, that guy has got to be put in positions to get in the end zone. More red zone touches for him. Number two, Josh McCray, out for the season with a neck injury. No surgery, not no details on what that is, but out for the season. Reggie Love likely out this week. So that means Caden Fagan and Aiden Lawfrey are the top two options at running back. Behind them, it's Nick Fadonzo, who Thad Ward recruited the first time he was here at Illinois and has played some defense in his time here. So, Joey, what do you expect out of Caden Fagan and Aiden Lawfrey, Central Illinois' finest, as Brett Bielma said? What do they need or what do I expect? What do you expect? Uh, I I don't know. I think they need a lot out of those two. I think they need to run the ball. How much expectation can you put on a true freshman and a redshirt freshman on the road against a team that looks like it would win the West, maybe going away if it were over there, and it's one of the – it's one of the four best teams in the Big Ten. I think that's that's reasonable. You could say top five, and then put Wisconsin in the mix. I don't know how much expectation is fair to put on them, I, I, but I think they should have opportunities. I think can they maximize those? I don't know. I, Caden Fagan has had flashes, albeit in a lot of garbage time. Like I would, I think the numbers like some some north of seventy percent of his yards have come with already decided games, but he looks like. The, the parts I thought Aiden Lawfrey when he ran that touchdown in against FAU you're like oh that's different like that the, the twitch the speed the burst all those things were different he's still learning to play running back in college I think I think that's a fair thing to say 
Uh, but they, they, they need it from them. I just, I don't know if you go in there, you know, if you want to harken back to 21 Penn State, I don't know if you can look at these two and, and hope to get a fraction um, of what you got from Chase Brown and Josh McRae. If you can get a fraction, if you can get 50% of that, you probably leave pretty happy, right? Yeah, I'm looking up the uh, game log of that game because did Chase McCray Brown – went for like 159. Right, was Chase Brown hurt that day? Did he leave that game? That's right. Um, because I he wasn't a big because fan. that opened the door for Aiden Law or for Josh McCray, right? I think so. No, the, Chase Brown had 223 yards that day. <laughs> um, yeah, no. yeah, 223 yards. That wasn't embarrassing. <laughs> cut this out. It's like 1330. I'm leaving that in. Cut out. I forgot they ran for 360 yards that day. Uh, two guys with over 140 yards that day. Just because I remember you remember Josh McCray. That's what I remember the most out of that game. But for me. This Maryland defense is better than advertised. Um, they're allowing just 3.2 yards per rush right now. And this is a challenge for these guys behind this offensive line. I think Caden Fagan's going to be on a lot of the passing downs because Aiden Lawfrey has struggled pass blocking. Fagan's been a little bit better. I want to see 15 touches for Fagan. I, I want to see what it looks like when he gets that amount of carries. And, and I don't want to be afraid to use him. And Jay Lehman said this earlier in the podcast earlier this week. You don't have to just go inside zones and dives with him. I think he can stretch it a little bit. Um, and, and that's what I want to see with Lawfrey. Listen, this guy was a high school track star when he was healthy in high school. I want to see some stretch zones with Lawfrey like we saw at Chase Brown. I want to just see if he has that burst because on kickoff returns, I haven't seen it. On the one run against Florida Atlantic, we saw it. But Aiden Lawfrey, I think, has zero car- yes, zero carries against Power 5 opponents in his career. Like, all of his carries came at Chattanooga last year, three, and then Ford Atlantic, three. So this is a huge spot for him, uh, and I just want to see. Why is that? That's because I don't think they, they trust him quite yet, right? And I, I want to see what he has, if he is the speedster or if these injuries had set him back. But uh, I just want to say I don't expect a lot of – success out of these guys to be honest with you behind this offensive line against this opponent one thing i do want to see joey along with these guys you got to run luke altmeyer more he's got to be part of this whether it's zone reads whatever it is i think you got to put those guys in conflict and if you want to run the ball i think luke altmeyer's got to be a big part of it if i set the for those two Lawfrey and fagan and again if we would it's not we'll get an update from brett bielan tomorrow sounds like josh mccray as of monday was didn't sound very optimistic to see him reggie I'm, thank you. Yes, Reggie Love did not sound very optimistic to see him. So if I set for Lawfrey and Fagan, sixty-four and a half mm. combined, what do you do? Over. Oh, I said a good number. Look at that. That's a good number. Uh, Look out, Vegas. Boy, I, I don't feel confident. I I don't know. I, I, I mean. But, like, that's kind of the state, like, just to, to zoom out a little, like, that's kind of the state we're talking about here. Like, for two guys, 64 and a half in a Beal offense, like, that should be that's, a hammer the over, right? Yeah. But that's just kind of what we're talking about this Maryland defense, where this line is, the inexperience back there. I think if you got 85 combined out of them, that is a oh. pleasant, pleasant surprise. <laughs> like, you would feel pretty good moving forward if you're Illinois from that. Says a lot about this year. Number three, Brett Bielma sounded optimistic earlier this week about Zy Chrysler and Josh Geske. I always say wait and see on that. But if one of those guys, two of those guys return, what would that mean, Joey? Um, I mean, 
I feel like obviously it would help. And we know those two haven't had perfect seasons, right? Like that's, you can't get around that. I I would look for maybe Zy Chrysler over Josh Geske, just because Geske didn't even pretend to dress last week. He came out, he he was not dressed to start with. Zy Chrysler was dressed. And then obviously he was a game time to not go. That would indicate to me he's further along, but it would go counter to what we thought leaving Purdue but I think that's probably a fair assessment, just given what we saw a week ago. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It helped. I, I think it helped. I, I think I, I you're think seeing t- that there's not the depth that everyone dreams of having yeah. behind your starters. Um, th- my question is, if Geske can't go, what do you do? Because I thought Hunter Whiteneck, was for the most part, played better last week. And, and I, I think he's probably been challenged over the course of the last few weeks by the staff to really – and stepped up and, and rose to that challenge for the most part. Purdue wasn't very pretty. Um, but are they both right guards, right? Like, can one go to left guard? I don't I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I think that's an interesting dynamic. Or do you just go with Jordan Slaughter at left guard? Yeah, I think we're seeing, like, Brandon Henderson was not going to be a magic bullet here. Jordan Slaughter was not – he's not been better than Zach Chrysler. Uh, just, just put that out there. Zach Chrysler is more physical. Just Zach's got to be more consistent. Um, Hunter Whitenack was solid. Last week, didn't think he was great. Uh, the stunts continue to be an issue for this team, so I expect Slaughter to start at left guard. I expect Chrysler, if he's healthy, to play play at right guard. But man, if if Slaughter struggles, especially in the run game, can can Whiteneck play left guard? I'd like to see it. I'd like to see that big physical group up front because that's a ma- like outside of Josh Cruz, that would be a massive lineup of offensive linemen and. I just think they need to get that physicality back. Like th- that has been lacking up front all season. I know Josh Kurtz has it. He's just not a big guy. But I, I just want to see that more than anything. Like so you can screw up some technique things, pass pro. Listen, they got to be better. But get a push. Get a push up front. Win some one on one battles. Illinois just has not been doing that like they did the first year of Brett Bielma. So I got to see better communication and chemistry. At some point, you do want to see this group communicate better on these stunts. Um, but they just got to run the ball better. More physicality at the point of the attack. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I think when you say physicality, I think that goes hand in hand with a little bit of swagger. Yeah. Like, I think those two things are paired very much together and what the system is and how, how these guys operate. You start getting that, you, you start feeling it a little bit. We just haven't – this hasn't optically looked like this line has had kind of that, uh, you know, as they say about Josh McCray, like rolling the shoulders. Yeah. Like, I just don't know that we've seen that very, very much this season. Number four, why has the pass rush been underwhelming this season? You caught up with Charlie Bowen. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, you know, we, we've seen those linebackers, those outside linebackers in particular, drop back into coverage. It feels to me, and I don't have the numbers to back this up, and, and it's half the season for 13 games, like they're doing it more. And I, I think they're, they're very – Conscientious of trying to change the picture for quarterbacks. That's a big phrase this week from all these coaches, from Aaron Henry, Charlie Bowen, change the picture, confuse. And, hey, I I do like that. Ryan Walters did this stuff too. But there are key third downs and fourth downs where they're rushing three. Sometimes we can be cherry-picking that stuff, but it's just by the eye test. Even Jay says it. They're not being as aggressive on those downs. You know what I think helped change the picture a year ago? Sidney Brown. Sidney Brown could change an entire picture by himself. And you can let those outside backers go and let them let them get upfield. And I, I just I wonder when that's gonna if that's gonna come back where it's just the all hands on deck go because Johnny Newton has 24 pressures this year. 
So it's an unbelievable number. I asked him the art of it today. He said his hands tank right, calls him his hands the holy water, and he needs to bless, bless the people. Um, <laughs> he's been Curtis. awesome. Awesome quote. Awesome quote. He's been awesome. But he, he, he's not been getting the sacks, but his disruptions should be getting other people sacks. Like he should be getting the happening. hockey assist for this, and it's not happening because other guys are not winning their one-on-one battles. Keith has won a couple, but the other guys just are not. They're not, and I, and I think you see that. And the outside backers aren't always winning their one-on-one battles either. Right. Uh, so it's not just like, oh, they're dropping them back, and that's the only reason. Like those guys need to play better too. The Blitzers too. The Blitzers have to win more of them. I think James Crutz has done a pretty good job. I think we're seeing Rosiak really emerge here recently. They are dropping into coverage more. That's part of it, uh, and they're dropping into zone coverage a little bit more, which means they're rushing three or they're rushing four, and you're just not getting in as many one-on-one battles. We also got to acknowledge teams are not passing as much because they're not down against them. They're always ahead. Power five teams, all but six minutes are either tied or ahead of Illinois. But I, I just think that's a huge piece. Like we shouldn't gloss over that. That is a really, really big and really important piece to this. But there is the issue of like, I just do not see Gabe Backus, Seth Coleman, some of the other defensive linemen winning their one-on-one battles as much. And whether that's technique or play calling, I think the staff has to figure it out because they can point, as Charlie Bowen did, to stats against Nebraska. Nebraska's awful. They're awful. And Harburg is not a good player. Like He's not a good passer. He, he's a good player against Illinois, made some key throws, a good runner, but he is not a good passer. So I, I just don't put a lot into those numbers of that one game. But they are not winning enough one-on-one battles against Purdue, Kansas, whatever it is. And against Maryland, they need it. Those guys have to be last year good to have any chance of beating Maryland. Yeah, he, he you can't give him all that time in the pocket with the, the talent that he has, the system they run. That is a recipe for for total and complete disaster. Number five. We're going big picture now, Joey. Over under wins rest of season, one and a half. People are gonna be like, how'd you get to this? I think it's over. Like, dude, Northwestern is not very good. Indiana is not very good. Minnesota is not very good. Illinois, not very good right now. Um, it's I a key that. variable. I, I, I do. I, I really do. Um, you, you get Northwestern Indiana at home for whatever in the world that's worth. I, I don't truly know how much it's worth. You should beat those teams. Mm-hmm. Like, you are still in year three of Brett Bielma. You still have next-level talent on your roster. I think, like... I would feel very weird taking the under. You're grinning. I don't know if you're going to take the under. I'm gen- oh, no, you're going to. You're going to. Well, I will play. I can see a path to them winning three more games. I really can. But I just haven't seen it. I have not seen that team that has that path to three more wins on the season. I would take the under right now because I think they're better in Indiana. But are they better than Northwestern? Are they really? Uh, I don't see it right now. I think they can be. I think they'll have a lot to play for in that game because it might be, you know, playing for the biggest thing they can take home, which is a rivalry trophy. I think they can beat Minnesota if they play a clean game. I'm not that impressed by Minnesota. We haven't seen that all season. I think I listen. Iowa is not going to be that impressive. I think Illinois' defense should give them an opportunity to beat Iowa. But what makes me think they can score on Iowa? And what makes me think that this offense can score and keep up with Wisconsin or Maryland? Like, I think the defense can be competitive and give Illinois a chance to win four or five more games this year. I don't think it'll be consistent enough to do four or five, but I think the defense is going to give them opportunities to compete in games. I don't think the offense can. I just haven't seen it all season. That's fair. That That's fair, right? Like, we're, this is a legitimate conversation. I, 
I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe I won't age very well in going over. But like, to, that's to why one and a half is a good number. Should be Nebraska nor, or to be Northwestern in Indiana. Like that is not a hot take. That should you are in year three oh, yeah. of your system. Like that should be the expect the minimum expectation. Yeah. But you're right. Like what what signs offensively, other than they gain yards sometimes in bulk, other times very much not in bulk, but they don't score. That's right. Yeah, like this this offense can move the ball at times. That's why the, the yardage thing is interesting because like it's it's very bulk. It is very Sam's Club offense, right? Like they yes. get a lot at once, and then really, really, really nothing for like four or five drives, and then a lot at once to close off that, and then really, really nothing, just, and then a lot at once at the end of games. Just to hit on what we're talking about, Illinois is seventh in the Big Ten in yards per game, seventh. Like they they can move the ball. Like they have long drives. They don't score on those drives. That's the problem is Illinois 13th in the Big Ten in scoring. Like, so they just do not turn all those yards into points, which is the whole point of offense. Um, so that's that's why if you want some kind of little nugget that, hey, maybe this team could turn a corner if it just converts on these third and fourth downs, if it just finds the end zone instead of turning it over on downs or turning it over, um, that's it. They have been able to move the ball at times, but they just haven't been able to score. And then they no, have turnovers and, and look, just we, put their defense in terrible situation. And, and, hey, let's also be honest here. The defense doesn't help them at times with some of these third down conversions either. Yeah. Uh, so so rather than maybe trying to, to go out there and get another crack at it, you say maybe one or two more possessions and a half, right, if you get off the field on some of these third downs uh, over the course of six games. I'm not talking right. every game. Then maybe you have more opportunity, but just the inconsistencies – of this offense in terms of execution, in terms of play calling, in terms of just not turning the, the ball over. The turnovers are, are outrageous. The sacks are outrageous. The sacks fall on the line. The sacks fall on Luke Altmeyer. All of these things are true, but man, it's just, it's just been no hint of consistency or momentum with this offense. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, do another big picture question here. I think both of us know, and I think the staff knows the transfer portal is going to be huge for them this offseason and NIL is going to be huge for Illinois for every fan talking about that yes name image and likeness dollars is hugely important in acquiring talent nowadays now you're having a bunch of guys that are going to go pro that should free up some of those dollars that, that you have for those guys but like they need to be more aggressive uh, in going after some of those guys and they need to be able to get through to fans that hey we need to raise money for this I'm not going to tell people to spend their money but if you want to be a good football program these days, like this is part of the talent acquisition process is NIL. But let's break down. What are the top transfer needs this offseason? Can I give you my top four, Joe, and you tell me if I'm wrong? Can I guess your top four and you tell me in the order? Can I guess the order of your top four? Well, I got a little twist on this. So if you guess it right, I'm going to be surprised. But go ahead. Oh, that's fun. Because that makes me think. You have quarterback somewhere in the top four. A quarterback is on my list further down, but it's got that's got a twist to it as well. But um, you got more twists than defensive fronts against <laughs> Illinois. That's right. That right. Uh, so number one, offensive line. I had defensive line number one. So offensive line is number two for you. Yes. I'm guessing you have running back in the top four. Running back is on my list, but I. I'm playing a trick on you. I have one off. Uh, we're wasting a ton of time. Yes. Just name your top four. One defensive line, two offensive line, three defensive line, four offensive line. 
Therefore, my top five is offensive line oh. and defensive line. Can you tell? Can you just humor me and tell me five and six so I can see if I was anywhere close? I had running back and wide receiver both written down because like okay. wide receiver changes. Get Isaiah Williams back. <laughs> Speaking of nil, Isaiah's probably a day three pick or undrafted free agent. I love the kid. Like I, I love the talent. I think he's got a chance at the NFL. Can he run a four under four five forty? That's my big question with him um, because he's. I think he's faster laterally than than straightforward. But uh, if you could get him back for another season, I think that'd be massive. But running back is on my list because Reggie Love, I think we've seen one healthy, is a solid guy. I think he'd be a great number two running back. I think Caden Fagan has a bright future. Is he going to be ready for 200 carries next year? And what's Six games might tell us that. Tell and, us yes or no. And let's be honest, Josh McCray, haven't seen it in two years. Aiden Loffrey, haven't seen it yet. He's going to get opportunities. But that position needs to be better because – I thought they would have a good group by committee. It has not been a great group by committee. Um, and that's a sell. I think you need to sell Chase Brown still. I think you need to sell what they can. I thought it was potentially a place you can upgrade last year. you got to look for upgrades now. You can't just hand this to whoever and just say, yep, it's your job. I think you need to look for some of those upgrades. And wide receiver would be in that list for me. Because if you do lose Isaiah Williams, I think Pat Bryant can be a good wide receiver. But got to add competition. I think Malik Elzey, you'd obviously count on Hank Beatty, Canary Wilcher, but add some competition there. Can we talk about Isaiah Williams? Because I was going to actually text you this on my way to the stadium today, but we may as well just talk about it here. Um, you said day three, you know, to, to undrafted right now is where you would see the range. What is the ceiling for him? Because like with, with Johnny, right, he wasn't getting the feedback and you, you could talk him in to coming back and, and climbing up into that first round, which I think we've seen as a reality where, where's the ceiling like what if you're pitching this to Isaiah Williams and say we want to develop you and help you this is going to yeah. be an NIL aspect climb you up there like what, how far do you think he can climb you well I, for me it's not even I don't know about draft stock Joe it's about we can give you more money than the NFL can like we will give you more money than the NFL will for the next year but I think the pitch has to come with we think we'll put you in a position in a year from now to, yeah. to make to make you better. So, so what's the ceiling? How, how much do you think you could pitch to climb him up those boards? I don't know if like, that that's my whole I'm kind of telling you. Like I don't think it's just, it's like a Johnny Key situation where it's like we're gonna get you two days up higher. Like sure. Johnny, you're not gonna go fourth round, you're gonna go first round next year, which is probably gonna happen. Keith, you're not gonna go seventh round, you're gonna go fourth round or whatever okay. it is. Yeah. I don't know if that's the pitch to Isaiah. I think it's listen, this could be life changing money for you for your family. And then you can still get to the NFL. Well, you'll be better. You're going to get better here. You're going to go down as a legend here. Um, Education is really important to Isaiah. This community has been really important to Isaiah. Those are the things you're pitching. Now, maybe he just wants to go pro, right? Like like Kofi Coburn, you just want to go. But Isaiah's going to have his degrees and all that. So, but I would, I would seriously, if I'm Illinois, he would be my priority. With the NIL, because I think having him as part of your offense with Luke Altmaier for another year is hugely valuable, and then you go fill out your offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because I, my truthful pitch when I was thinking about this was I don't, I don't know how much higher you're going to get than a day three pitch. Just given you mentioned the, the straight line speed limitations that we think he has, his height, all those things, you can you can make a pretty penny coming back to college uh, at Illinois. You can go down you. I don't know. I know he's number two in receiving. I haven't looked completely at what the gap is. He, he could set he could set the record for receptions at Illinois, for receiving yards at Illinois. I mean, David Williams put up astronomical numbers, but 
he Isaiah would do it in six years, but at four years as a receiver though, right? Like so sure. he would yeah. still uh he could go down and, and do some of those things. I don't know how important that is or how much value that has, but yeah, offensive and defensive line. Is Isaiah Williams' decision equal to, in your mind, the Isaiah Adams decision? Is that the best comp year to year? No, because Isaiah Adams was... Because I didn't think Johnny had a decision. Like, that was a no. very big surprise to me. So is it Keith? No, I, I I think it's a completely different decision. I think it'd be more like Trent Frazier. I, I think it'd be more like that, uh-huh. where it's like, listen, I don't know if you're up in your stock, but hey, you got another year. And you can, like, Trent, I don't think could make money at that time, but like, Isaiah, you can make more money in college and pros. I think it was kind of the pitch that Kofi Coburn had. It was kind of like, you can make more money here. It's more stable. You know where you are. You can be the big man on campus for another year. But Kofi wanted to go pro, and I I do not begrudge him for that. But I don't know if Isaiah or Kofi were going to up their stock. But Zach Eady came back because probably making millions of dollars because it was better for him. It's like he can make more money now than maybe he'll ever play uh, playing professionally. Yeah, and I, I think we should also clarify, like, in all this, we're not saying Isaiah Williams does not have an NFL future. No. Like, I think this guy does, and I think he's going to have a chance. And if he's not drafted, he's going to get into a camp. I think all the intangibles that make him who he is is going to give him a heck of a good chance to, maybe, to find his way somewhere. Maybe I'm off, and he is a fourth rounder or something. And if that's the case, go, right? But right. if he's, like, a sixth, seventh round guy, I think that's a real conversation. Um, but, yeah, I think, Joey, we're talking about next year. I have defensive line ahead of offensive line because at least I know some guys are playing on the offensive line this year. They got to get better, but you're also you have some talent underneath with with Brandon Henderson, you know Hunter Whitenack, and I don't think T.J. McMillan plays next year, but you have some guys Desmond Schuster you hope to play next year. Defensive line, your top three defensive linemen next year are Sed McConnell, Denzel Daxon, and Alex Bray. That's why yeah, it's number I mean, one for yeah. me. Like you yeah. need you need at least one no doubt starter, and I think one guy who can push for a starting job at the very minimum. Offensive line, you need probably one starter at tackle, which is the hardest to find. And then I go find another guy who can compete for a job on the interior, whether it's guard, center, don't care, don't care who's there right now. Force competition, try to upgrade. That's very reasonable given what you've seen. And like I, I, I think Brett Bielman know like Momentum, I know Jay talked about. It. It's very hard to get, and I, I think he knows that. I think you got to put yourself in any position to try to get that back. And that, but by our read of where this roster is and where the the gaps are in terms of age or, or whatever it is, like that momentum, if you're finding it, you're probably finding it in the transfer portal this offseason. The outside linebacker, I don't think the talent is the problem. My problem, the production. Linebacker, I like what you've seen out of the younger guys. Could you upgrade? Sure. But I, I think Rosiak, Kurtz, Odaluga, I think you can win with those guys. Corner, I mean, Taz comes back for another year. You know, I really like Xavier Scott. I think he's a really good player. But Toby, Kareem, I expect to take some leaps. You hope some of those younger guys, like, I like the talent there. Safety, Matthew Bailey comes back. Demetrius Hill comes back. Miles Scott comes back. I would look to upgrade potentially free safety, in my opinion. And you probably need some depth at safety regardless because Matthew Bailey coming back from an injury, Nakario Harper and Clayton Bush are gone. So I would expect some some depth at the very least there. Um, the other one, we can bring it up, quarterback. I think Luke Altmaier is good enough to be your starter long term. He needs to improve, that is for sure. But he has shown me the talent that I think he can be the starter. I wouldn't mind adding a young transfer who can 
create competition and also depth. Like because if Luke Allmeyer gets hurt, hmm. Because John Paddock's gone after this year. We'll see. I don't know what Donovan Leary is yet. I, I don't think Cal Swanson's to make an impact next year. Trey Petty, a freshman, are you going to play him next year? Probably not. So I don't. It's it's hard at quarterback, but I would not be opposed to to looking for a younger guy who can up the talent and competition there. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And yeah, I I know you were at that position in particular about ruffling feathers, but it's, you got to got to do what you got to do, right? And it'd be. We don't know. Like, we don't know what Donovan Larry looks like. We know he's not the second quarterback on the roster right now. He's also a redshirt freshman, so that's probably reasonable. Yeah. That's more than reasonable. Uh, but I do think that's an interesting dynamic to see how they approach that this offseason. All right, time for picks to click, Joey. And uh, offense, we did not do well last week, just like Illinois did not do well. I don't want to – we talked before this about opting out. Let's just do it. Let's just go let's, – let's not opt out. Let's pick someone. You picked Fagan, which I love the pick. And I was between Bryant and Casey Washington. If I just would have not listened to you and take Casey Washington's first touchdown, which didn't happen. I don't know why you've ever listened to me. I would not. Uh, Pat Bryant would have won, actually, because he was one of the few bright spots in that game. So, Joey, at Maryland, who is your pick-to-click for the Illinois offense? All right, let's just hop down. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, God. Tip Ryman? We can't pick Isaiah. Love it. So tip Ryman, can I, I, think I, did I take your pick? If I take Isaiah, can you take Johnny Newton? <laughs> like, is that fair? Can we just throw out the rules we made in the first six games? Yeah. No, 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 no. No Isaiah. You've got to pick in the non-Isaiah Williams category. All right. If I took Isaiah Adams as an offensive lineman in his fourth, fifth start at right tackle, what would his PFF grade have to be? 65? Like, if I got Six, that? 65, you'd be good. Let's do it. And I think he's played better. Like, yeah, I, 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 I do. do. I think he has played better. I did ask Bart Miller. I don't remember which NFL game um, I was watching at some point in the last few weeks. But they talked about just going left to right and how it's a mirror. Like, you mirror everything. And I, I just asked him about, is it just a reps thing? Is there anything you can do? And, and Tyzea Adams, credit. Like, maybe you saw that in those first snaps moving right. But, like, you haven't really seen a lot of that out of him. I think as far as acclimation goes to right tackle, could be worse. His guard, his guards have not helped him. His guards have not helped him. He is, he has, ha- he's lost some one on ones. He certainly has. Everyone sees those, but there are some guard issues <laughs> for him as well. Uh, I think he's been much better in the run game lately. I think he's been better in the pass game. He's been a serviceable right tackle. It's just you wonder, in hindsight now, would you have just been better off with keeping him on the left side, and having one good side? And the other side just figuring it out. I don't know. There's no good. I don't know. I mean, I think if you would have said that after Kansas, right. watching Zy Chrysler struggle mightily at right tackle, I think everyone, including what we've seen, the coaching staff and the subsequent moves they've made, would say absolutely not. Right. Um, I just I don't think there's the, the issue. I think that you come down to, you have more ready to play guards than you have ready to play tackles right now, and, and that's tackles are hard. Tackles are hard to find. You can't just throw them out there forever. Um, it's no, you're ready play. to play it's guards aren't changing games, right? But, like, I think it's, you know, a lesser of two, right? Like, what – I don't know. Like, it's a very hard decision. But I think it's clear that they don't feel like they've got the ready-to-play depth. Amounus Moeller is traveling with the team. I don't know. I think he's probably shown improvement uh, over the course of the years. But, like, it's two years, year and a half. But it's clear, like – He's still got development. Yeah, which he looks was known. Great. Which looks was known. 
looks great. Um, but yeah, he, he still got development too. He's an emergency tackle on the road. That's what he is right now. Um, I think Brandon Henderson would probably play before him at tackle, but he's probably just not ready for that being on an Island like that. All right. Defense pick to click last week, Joe, you took Keith Randolph. Do I win with Dylan Rosiak? Oh yeah. That was a good game for Dylan Rosiak. Dylan Rosiak played well, which makes me want to take Dylan Rosiak, but I'll take Xavier Scott. Ah, <laughs> that was my pick. Who's, who's been sneaky? Go outside, take pauses, go outside, get a little breath of fresh air. Xavier right. Scott's been sneaky good the last couple of weeks. That, and like, if you look at like targets and, and receptions, like those numbers aren't like, you know, they're not, they don't jump off of you, but like that's a position that's targeted a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're going to give up catches of that position because slot receivers are hard to cover. But he has been good. He, he's been good. He's had mistakes. He didn't play his best game against, was it Purdue? Yeah, one didn't game, play I think it was there. Purdue or um, it was FAU. They had the stud. Mm-hmm. He didn't I, play his I, best game. I didn't mind him against that guy. <laughs> he was it wasn't terrible, but yeah, At Purdue he was good. Nebraska he was good. FAU was his worst game so far, but that was probably the yeah. best player he's played. Yeah, I think he's he's been like you look at those guys who like in a year or two, and I know no one wants to look that far, right? Because like you want to win now and you're in year three and you feel like you should be in a position to do that. But he and Matthew Bailey, assuming health, like they give you those spots. You're like, all right, you got some dudes back there that, that are going to take some time. And I think you're seeing him start to find that footing now. And that's really encouraging. Yeah. And then you feel good about the young talent. Like Zach Toby, he's going through growing pain. Sabor Kareem, played a little bit but those guys are really talented like they've recruited that position well it's just it's a very young group right now man you took my guy now who Just do take I take Dylan Rosiak again let's go are you gonna it. take are you gonna go with the, anyone on the defensive front because this would seem to be a game I'm just giving you ideas since I ruined your day possibly mom I took I took gay back as heading into Purdue and that did not end up very well for me or Illinois it is it is really hard. We're just I'm rambling at this when, point. When it's we hard don't to understand have... that the two backers, two starting outside backers, have one combined sack. That is like that is really really hard to understand. And not very many pressures. The outside linebackers, I think you did this too, but I did it the other day. Two point eight pressures per game last year. They were close to six. That's not all scheme, right? And it's not all. It, that's that's the thing. It's not all scheme. It's not all execution. It is somewhere in the middle of both, and it's 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 led to an underwhelming start first half of the season. It's not a start. That's crazy, too. It's not a start. It's the first half of the season. Now. All right, I took Rosiak last week. Let's go with uh, Kanena Odaluga. I think Rosiak's right. been playing better lately, but uh, let's go with Kanena Odaluga. Maybe maybe Illinois' best pass rusher right now outside of Johnny Newton. One of his holy water hands. <laughs> maybe one of them. All right, you got anything else, Joey, before we head to D.C.? Still waiting on some recommendations from people. Food, museums. We got to pick a museum that we want to go to because probably got one in us. Well, it depends on how the napping situation goes. My three thirty a.m. alarm. That's right. And no one cares. But it's a two, it's a two thirty kickoff. Do you want to fly out at ten? I said, let's just do eight. Let's just do eight. That sounds fun. And we're like, all right, be here at five thirty. I thought, can we? <laughs> we reverse course. Can we do ten? Yeah, here's the thing. Like, there's really good museums. I, I I sit here and I go, man, the one I wanted to do most was Museum, which is now closed. It was a great media museum. Cost 20 bucks to get in back in the day, but it was the best museum in D.C. 
I'd feel like, man, I, the Holocaust Museum there is phenomenal, but do I want to put Joey Wagner through that uh, on an afternoon in D.C., or should we go to, like, the Spy Museum or something like that? Okay, I just pulled up top ten. What a what a way to end this. I don't know how long Top ten museums. Let's get the list. Go. Smithsonian. I think I've been through there. National Gallery of Art. That does not sound like us. All right. Air and Space. <laughs> That sounds like us. I would do that. That could be cool. The Holocaust Memorial, uh, Museum of African American History and Culture, National Portrait Gallery, hmm. Ford's Theater, I've kind of National to Museum of American History, National Archives Museum, Hillwood Estate Museum and Gardens. Those are the top ten, and eleven is the spy. I'm not going to do that because I don't outside the top like 10. Good, I don't feel like good podcasting and radio is reading from a list. So. <laughs> I think I love lists. We should do a segment on lists. So those list. are the ten TripAdvisor All right. options. Well, I I am game for whatever since this is your first trip to DC. Uh, so I will I will let you do that. But I will try to figure out where we can eat dinner, Joey. So uh, maybe some breakfast food. If we can swing some breakfast food upon landing, we would. That's not be welcome for that. Airports usually have that. Uh, Joey Wagner, see you bright and early Friday morning, man. I right, man, appreciate it. Thank you to Jeff Ehrman. Thank you to Joey Wagner for their insight today. Thank you to you for listening. Appreciate you. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. If you can take out 10 seconds, give that five-star review. And if you'd like to take about 10 more seconds and give us a nice review, we appreciate that. That really, really helps us out. Same thing. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell. Hit the like button on those videos and give us your feedback. We always appreciate you guys giving us support there as well. we got plenty more coming on the VIP side of things this week. Derek Piper breaking down the Illinois basketball offense. I have a mailbag coming out. Joey Wagner will have an in-depth piece on the offensive line. He caught up with Bart Miller today. we got our preview and picks coming up, all of that. And Joey Wagner and I will be in D.C. for whatever happens. So you got to travel to these games because if you don't, Penn State happens where they upset when no one expects it. I didn't make that trip, but Joey Wagner did. So we had it, we had it covered on that one. Um, you got to keep going to these games. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Illinois can turn a corner or at least just be competitive. Looking for better football. We'll see if we find it in D.C. It's supposed to be rainy. Does that help Illinois? I'm, I'm not sure because they don't run the ball very well. Both these teams like to pass it. Maryland's really good at passing. Illinois, eh, at passing. So we'll see. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow where Derek Piper and I will talk some basketball and then we'll talk to you from D.C. after the game to break down what happened. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Lawn Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.